Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James and I'm joined here by Jack Collins. Hello mate, how you doing? Yes, very good, thank you. Well Jack, we've got a very special episode today. We are speaking to Fulham's Vice Chairman and Director of Football Operations, Tony Khan. We're going to be chatting to him about his role in transfer operations at Fulham, the mistakes learned from last season and hopefully we can get a few bits of inside info ahead of next season. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please do consider subscribing. During the season, we release two podcasts a week discussing everything to do with Fulham FC. We're available on all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. So subscribe to get all of our podcasts straight to your phone. You can also subscribe to the WhatsApp channel and get the latest Fulham and Fulhamish breaking news. The link is in the bio on all our social media accounts. Tony, thank you for being on Fulhamish. Sure, my pleasure, Sam. Welcome to the podcast and it's really great to have you in the studio today. It's something that we've been looking to do for quite a while now and I imagine there'll be lots of people really interested to hear your thoughts um, and we've got lots of questions for you. Um, Let's just kick things off in the present day. We're about halfway through the summer between the end of last season and the beginning of next. The fixtures have just come out. Yes. So we're kind of on that countdown now to the beginning of August when it all kicks off. What's your feeling? What's your vibe? Um, how has this summer been so far? How have you kind of it's, adapted from the end of last uh, season? It's been miserable. Uh, I've been, you know, not enjoying uh, at all uh, the way last season went, but uh, we have to move on and... So I'm treating it like I treated uh, previous summers uh, where we just need to move forward and do everything we can to get ourselves back into the Premier League. And uh, I think uh, nobody nobody at Fulham liked the way last season went. I think we were all really unhappy about it. And uh, for me, uh, really put a lot of uh, energy and focus into keeping the squad that got us promoted together as best I can and keeping the key pieces, the key players uh, that were responsible for getting us in the Premier League in the first place, trying to keep uh, as many of them with us as possible, and uh, while still giving us uh, a team that has a good chance to succeed uh, for years to come. And, uh, you know, I've obviously learned a lot from what happened to us in the Premier League, um, but have historically, uh, I think we've, the last few years, been a very good team in the championship, uh, top team in the championship, and I expect we'll be a top team in the championship again, uh, contending uh, to be promoted. And uh, for for this summer, I mean, we've, we've been doing a lot of work. Uh, you know, as you asked, uh, you know, how the summer's going. Uh, I think with Scott and with our scouts and our data team, we've all spent a lot of time together. Uh, not And we didn't wait uh, for the summer. I mean, uh, there are... Uh, very, 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 very few uh, positives and really no positives that anybody can take uh, from being relegated. But, uh, you know, the fact that at least we knew our fate uh, early on, at least I knew what players I was trying to recruit in April uh, and had a head start on some of this. Um, And the biggest thing for me right now is uh, we have a really, really strong team at Fulham uh, from two seasons ago that went 23 games unbeaten to end the season, and I think that if we uh, uh, keep the spirit of that team together, keep the backbone of that team together, that this coming year we have a chance to be very, very strong, and it was really, really fun uh, 
was one of the best days I've ever had. It was honestly the best day I've ever had to go to Wembley Stadium and win the championship uh, playoff final. Uh, but this year, our goal is absolutely to be auto promoted. And, uh, you know, if we go to the playoffs, so be it. We know we're capable of winning in the playoffs and, and going to the final and winning that. But, but yeah, top yeah. two is is the aim. And, and I'm not I'm not too surprised by that no not at all but Scott's in you know we're looking forward um, and we're looking forward to a new campaign I know there was a lot of optimism a lot of excitement around the fan base when the fixtures came out and that's a good thing looking forward but you know Scott's first pre-season uh, as a full-time manager he's been on Manny before not quite in this capacity but is he looking forward to it what's the kind of vibe from, from yeah, Scott and Scott's the team? really excited Scott is the most collaborative manager I've ever worked with in terms of wanting to be involved in the meetings uh, with the scouts is that He's new. No, it's not because uh, when we've had other, uh, you know, our previous managers when they were new, I think the previous uh, few managers I've worked with, none of them uh, had any desire to come in on a weekly basis and sit down and do meetings and phone calls with myself, the scouts, the data team, and like go over the lists. And they might come in with a few names, but they, you know, I, I traditionally have not had coaches that wanted to spend a lot of time watching video and wanted to spend a lot of time with us uh, talking about our process, whether it be uh, the scouting team, the data team, or getting everyone in one room at the same time, which is what we've been doing a lot uh, with Scott, getting getting all the people who have uh, anything to do with the process and having everybody having one big conversation, I think has been really helpful. And we, I've always been open to doing that, but just quite frankly, uh, uh, haven't had that buy-in from the coaching staff where they were interested in having that, that kind of... Uh, input uh as far as the process that was going to be my next question in, in many regards like what's the you know overarching feeling around recruitment obviously i don't want you to divulge our transfer targets to the general public and to other clubs who are obviously listening to this but um <laughs> but in general you know scott and that collaborative feeling around the helm is is there kind of a sense that additions are close or is it changed a little bit given the collaborative nature of things or is it just more buy-in from that yeah side? absolutely i think uh getting our own house in order is a huge part of it yeah. and people have a lot of questions there and one of the biggest things i guess as we go through the summer for fans is that i don't have to tell you guys this because you've been around the business and living it for so long is you read just so much rubbish and so much utter garbage it's not true in the papers and a lot of the rumors that you read speculation players were linked to or our own players that are linked with other clubs a lot of times it's completely untrue and baseless and there's nothing to it uh i am planning on trying to like i said field uh, a squad that is even stronger than the team that went 23 unbeaten for us and i do think we can do it i think we have stronger pieces than we did going into that year and as we built up over the course of that year to get to a point where in the second half of the season we were effectively unbeaten down to the last game yeah yeah. uh i think we uh have a team that is going to have the same strength uh coming in and uh you know that means keeping our own house in order and i think that's a lot of uh a lot of what the focus this summer has been too has been uh retaining our own players and uh and making a plan uh, for the squad that we already have in, in the building at Mottsburg Park. Uh, the transfer deadline closes the week after the championship fixtures commence. A lot of our business last summer was done on deadline day. I think we signed five players um, on that day. Are we looking to do things earlier this yeah, summer? I'm always, you know, it's funny because uh, a lot, it's been, it's worked out for us in sometimes and it hasn't obviously in other cases. And, uh, you know, while this season uh, did not go well and a lot of the business was done at the last minute, um, the year before, 
uh, things had when we got promoted, a lot of things had come down to the last minute. And in fact, the most last minute transfer you'll ever hear of was the Mitrovic transfer that we engineered. Um, and it was a really, really difficult thing to get over the line. Um, people forget that for, you know, all the recruiting and texting that we had done of him, he did not seem at first uh, before he'd ever really spent time at Fulham. And I didn't know Metro and, and we didn't have any relationship yet. Um, you know, he'd been recruited by our coaches and he had chosen not to come to Fulham and he had decided to go to Anderlecht. And uh, it was only when Anderlecht actually did not have the money that they thought they were going to be able to to put into this transfer because another transfer of theirs had fallen through. So uh, they were great about it. And uh, so when Anderlecht wasn't able to complete the transfer they thought they were going to be able to do, uh, that's where relationships came into play. And uh, that's where we were able to get something done. And uh, Alistair McIntosh, the CEO, did a great job to get uh, Anderlecht to do us a favor and actually do Mitro's medical for us. Uh, so, so that it's a class story. <laughs> the Anderlock, yeah, the Anderlock doctors performed Metro's medical for us on the loan, and we got the paperwork done with in a matter of minutes to spare. And you know, he's obviously been a really important player for us, and and uh, was a key player in our promotion. And I ho- I hope a key player for us going forward. I expect a key player going forward for us. Um, and uh, so that, you know, got that got done at the last minute, but that was the best business we could do. And we had to wait it out. And had I gone, pulled the trigger on something else and said, well, I'm going to get the business done early and then we're going to be done. That never would have happened. And yeah. I think it was the best transfer we could have done. And sometimes you do need to wait them out. Uh, the previous window, the, the, the summer of 17 in our promotion season, um, I know people wanted to see a lot more done at the end. But not everybody understands that, like, sometimes these negotiations go down to the wire. Um, We were very close to bringing Dwight Gale in uh, in uh, the summer prior and negotiating down again to the last minute. And, uh, you know, I I went as far as I could. And I I guess Newcastle went as far as they could go. And we just couldn't uh, reach an agreement. But we were negotiating down to the last minute on that, too. So you never know what's going to happen with these. But uh, people who don't think I tried to get Matt Target back here, I did try to get Matt Target. I made a really good offer to get Matt back here. They had uh, rejected it, and they'd come in with their asking price, which I thought was very high. It was $20 million. And I said, I can't do that. And, uh, you know, I'm going to uh, go take Joe Bryan from uh, Aston Villa right now. And apparently, you know, had I waited to the deadline, they would have actually accepted that. But I had gotten the business done 24 hours. Yeah, exactly. So you never know going down to the wire. Sometimes it works for you. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but I've found you do get better prices on waiting and much better. Sometimes half of what people were trying to get a month earlier, a week earlier, a day earlier. It's just crazy. So, but then you have the problem, obviously, of players not being settled when they come absolutely into the team. Which so I guess tra- it's a trade off. I guess it's right? a trade off, and I don't want to. Uh, and obviously, look like. Did, was Mitro unsettled when he got here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it depends who. Yeah, exactly on on the player in this stage. It <laughs> yeah. makes it makes perfect sense in many regards. That's that's business, right? Yeah, it's hard, and uh, it, it, I, there's no perfect answer to this. I mean, you could pay more and get them done early and have the peace of mind. But how do you know that a better player isn't going to come available? You know, if I had taken Okaka and we had done Okaka and then we'd already spent the money and we hadn't had the money, which at the time Mitro was like, a, it was you know, especially 
for us where we were coming from, he was making good money at Newcastle, and it was a it was not a cheap move for us coming in the championship. And uh, it was it was a it was a big wage to take on, and it, I wouldn't have been able to do it if I had taken on another player sooner. So again, that's where waiting sometimes to get yeah. the best possible player that you want can pay off, even. Uh, chasing it down to the last minute, and I had a backup plan. Had that not come through at the last minute, that we would have done. But um, you know that that came through, and I was glad I, I waited. And then there have been other times where I didn't wait, and I regretted it. There have been times where I waited too long, and uh, I I don't think uh, I, I I think uh, there's not one perfect answer to that. But but like you said, that's just business, and uh, I I would like to get some stuff done early, but. Uh, Right now, I think we have some questions as to who from the current squad is going to be here next year, and I think I'd like to get some of those answered before uh, we make big commitments because, uh, you know, I think we have some players that would be very, very, very good for us next year. Can we talk a little bit about the the both boxes system and how the data approach works sure. in many regards i'd just like to get your kind of spread on how it works yeah you know how it was developed and what does every player go through it what are the important stats you know just the bits and bobs that, that make it tick in many regards sure uh well we built a uh points estimator a a uh valuation metric looking at the value of any player over a so-called replacement player uh, and this is not uh, the only way we evaluate players. It's just one way we evaluate yeah. players. It's a rating, a grade we put on players, just like uh, a global grade that a scout puts on a player and says, you know, this guy's a seven, this guy's a six. Well, a lot of thought went into that, and if you look at their process for how they get there, there's a number of different factors and skills that they're trying to weigh in calculating their grade. Well, similarly, there are a number of variables uh, that go into calculating a value over a replacement player. So for us, uh, we calculate a score, uh, and then we take the scouting scores, and then we uh, look at everyone's place uh, within the system. Uh, we effectively take a Z-score uh, for each, and then we look at you know how many standard deviations above or below the mean each player is. And if a player has... Uh, a grade above a certain threshold for scouting and a grade above a certain threshold in terms of their statistical value, then those are players that we uh, typically chase. And so if you see players on Fulham, really like that's all of our players, you know, whether it was uh, Mitro or, or Tom Kearney or, uh, you know, anybody else on the club, like generally like guys we, we've recruited uh, have had both. They've, they've been um, guys that have had strong statistical pedigree and strong scouting pedigree and had tried uh, going through and developing this several years earlier, but it wasn't until really the summer of 2016 when I took over buying the players. Um, and that summer I said, well, I'm just going to use it. You know, we've talked about using this, but um, we probably talk about it more than we actually do it. And so I would like all of our players to kind of come in through this one system. And occasionally if there are exceptions to be made, which, you know, we have made a few times, like over the years, like uh, people talk about um, generally try to not bring in new players over the age of 28, because uh, you know, if you're giving them a contract at that point and potentially another contract down the line, well, if player, you know, um, where do you go from there? Yeah. And uh, I guess uh, it's not always perfect. And I've taken some criticism for it, but I've also shown that we're willing, whether it was like Ryan Babel in this window or, uh, you know, the, the, that first transfer window, I think it was actually probably uh, the, 
I don't want to say the worst transfer we did, but it was probably the one that paid off the least was uh, Ragnar Sigurdsson, who was over the age curve. And at the time, it was a really popular transfer because he'd scored against uh, England. In the Euros. Yeah, in the Euros, yeah. And um, so uh, at, at the time, I think everybody thought that was going to be a really good transfer. But if you look at the 14 moves we did, that was probably the worst one. Where does the human side come into it, though? Where... At one po- some point, does someone go, actually, he's a great leader in the dressing room? Is that all integrated in the stats model? No, that's the scouting. No, that's the, that's the, the scouting. Other, the other personal. box. That's yeah. the other box. Uh, there's th- and there's really a f- there's two. Look, on the spreadsheet, there's two things, but then there's there's other viewpoints, too. Like, I want to hear the, the, the coaches or the manager's viewpoint, and I want to hear, uh, you know, references on players. And I want uh, my own viewpoint to be weighed into it. So, at the end, all these things are variables that you weigh but no that the scouting uh would capture that not the stats because um a player could put up great numbers and and be uh you know not a nice guy off the pitch and that wouldn't show up in his performance on the pitch because we're the stats are grading their performance on the pitch now it could to some extent because if a guy was that bad of a guy would the manager be giving him these minutes well sometimes yes but more often than not probably not so that's sometimes when you see a guy who hasn't played a lot and looks very talented you know there could be some questions um, but let me tell you, if I was to make all my decisions off character references, we wouldn't have gotten promoted because yeah. Mitrovic wouldn't have been here and Stefan Johansson wouldn't have been here. They're two of the greatest guys we'll meet. I've got great relationships with both and, uh, all the stuff I heard about, uh, how t- how difficult these guys are. Um, I can't do everything off character. Yeah, absolutely. You said that Scott's very integrated into the way that you're doing things at the moment. Um, has this been universally popular down the years with the number of managers that we've had? Have there been other managers that have found this more difficult to get on board with? Well, I've only, uh, personally, uh, I mean, I've, I've interacted with them, but as far as like me being the director of football, this is only the third manager I've interacted with. Okay. And the other two, I didn't work with Claudio very long. I worked with uh, Slavisa for a really long time and, uh, we had a very good relationship, I think, uh, you know, off the pitch. Um, and uh, didn't always agree on these things, but I think in the championship also we had a lot of success together, and uh, I don't think he always thought uh, everything I was doing in uh, recruitment was uh, was what he would have done, but we sold uh, Sonia Luco. I thought that was uh, a really, really good uh, transfer. So it was, a, it was a ballsy one. Well, we got promoted, and uh, you know the, the 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 money we took I th- in that transfer, I think was 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 good revenue for us to take in. And I don't think Reading got uh, what they were looking for out of the transfer necessarily. So um, I, you know, I got called to task for that at the time. I thought it was the right thing to do, and uh, so there was that. Uh, there have been players I've absolutely, you know, haven't been right on 100% of the time, but uh, I feel like uh, for some reason people have been very quick to point out like things that haven't gone right uh, and rarely point to the things that go right. And then there's things like Mitro, which I think everybody, it's strange that nobody wants to be, it's bizarre actually that people point to this one player and they're like, well, the best player we got, you had nothing to do with. L- ladies and gentlemen, I had everything to do with it. <laughs> I paid the money. I'm the one that went to my father and said, like, this is going to be the most expensive player we've ever taken in the championship on wage, uh, and I want to do it. I think we need to do it. And to get promoted, we're, you know, people people forget. I think I asked you guys this before we went on the air. But generally when I ask people, hey, where do you think we were on the table the day he came in, the day, the deadline day when, when Mitro and Cyrus Christie came in? They generally say, uh, you know, 14th, 15th, 16th, 12th, whatever. And we were in 6th. 
we had already played our way back into position and we really needed to do something uh, to make a splash because I thought at the time we had a team that was good enough to go to the playoffs. I wanted to get auto promoted and I thought, you know, hey, if we go 23 unbeaten, we probably would have uh, gotten enough to get auto promoted. Hey, that, if that season was two or three games longer, we would have, we would have made it. It was it, time was against us that season. Or if we'd started playing better sooner. Yeah. I mean, we didn't play well. So um, so I've gotten, I don't think I've gotten a fair shake on uh, the recruitment stuff, to be honest with you guys. Uh, but um, I also uh, think that this year I, like, I, I deserved a lot of the stick I got. So it works both ways. Um, like, uh, you know, it's, it's just hard. Um, but for whatever reason, like, uh, uh, I, I don't know. It, it feels like, uh, when, uh, when some of the things have gone well, um, it's like people don't want to believe that those things came through a computer <laughs> like how could a, you know, but, uh, but a lot of those good things did come through a, a computer. And, uh, so we have a, we, we have a process that, that I really believe in and I believe uh, has been very effective for us in the championship. Obviously, lessons to be learned from last year, lessons to be learned equally positive lessons from our from our years in the championship. Yes, and you've spoken already about finishing twice in the top six and that automatic promotion is this year is is a goal. Um, you know, from from last year and the years previously, you know, are, are there lessons that are at the top forefront of your mind in terms of where we go going forward? And- yeah, absolutely. But I do think uh, as a squad, um, I feel better about us going into this championship yep. season than I have in the prior two. I think we've got more players that are proven in the championship that they're top players than we did going into either of the prior two seasons, even though two seasons ago we had actually had a really positive end of the season. We'd gone to the playoff. Uh, I think we'd actually probably in many ways were the better team in the playoff against Reading in both legs, yeah. but but uh, you know due to unfortunate circumstances and you know I think it was it I I believe in the second leg of the playoff at Reading we had 19 shots and no goals yeah it was um, a horrible day and uh, it was a bad day and then we also had a, a call that didn't go our way on a handball and a penalty and um, a lot of things didn't work out and and the first leg there were also some 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 strange things uh, a stoppage of play that never happened that probably should have happened. And, uh, you know, it just didn't go our way. And it was a very long summer. And uh, I told this story on Twitter, but I, uh, I, I took a couple weeks break and went back uh, to Los Angeles. And I actually ran into uh, Marcus Bettinelli and Matt Smith uh and jack grimmer <laughs> and it was uh the boys mo- yeah the boys it was the lads <laughs> and uh it was uh quite a motley crew and uh it was matt smith's birthday and uh ran into those guys and i was kind of commiserating with marcus you know the sad end of our season and i told him i was said look like a year from now you and i are going to be back here in the same place uh celebrating celebrating a promotion and look, like, uh, that's when you talk about lessons learned from promotion. I hope everyone learned something from that is like everybody had a great time with the promotion. And I promised everybody if we get promoted, like, we're going to have a crazy celebration and, and we're going to travel the world and have some fun. And then we'll go back to work. And yeah, I think everybody probably should have gotten back to work sooner than they did. Uh, and I'm not including myself because I went right back in work. <laughs> but uh, I do think it probably took something out of us. Even the guys who didn't travel with us, I just think in general, I think... Uh, we Emotionally maybe, expended as much as anything else, maybe. We expended a lot of celebratory energy over the summer. And then the, and then also with the World Cup going on, uh, we had guys, you know, Metro was playing too. And we had guys, so everyone was uh, doing stuff. So if you weren't playing in the World Cup, you were celebrating... Uh, the full on promotion. So I think uh, for me, 
yeah, when we get promoted again, I think we'll absolutely celebrate. And I just think uh want to make sure after, you know, a week or two, we kind of all get back to work. It'll be good. What other lessons or what other things do you pinpoint about last season? It's such a complex one when you break it down. And there were the defensive issues. And, and really, for me, injuries played a big part. And, and someone like Tim Ream, who was so talismatic... In we the were playing so well defensively for the first time, really, uh, when Alfie Mawson went down. We had actually started to really defend pretty well. And uh, we spent some serious money to get Alfie Mawson into the club because we believed he was a top defender, an experienced Premier League player. And uh, the fact is, uh, for our team, I absolutely did want to get Premier League experience and players that would add to the squad and could be a part of the squad for a long time to come and wanted to be here. And that was Alfie and is Alfie. Alfie wants to be at Fulham, loves Fulham, and had it in his heart that he really, really wanted to be a part of the squad. And I really wanted him to be a part of the squad. And uh, early in the season, he didn't get a lot of chances to play. And then... um, around the holidays he'd really come into his own and in you know december alfie was playing his best football i thought and the huddersfield game when he injured his knee he'd said you know i thought that was the best half of football i've ever played and then he went down with an injury and it was like the worst break you could possibly get um and uh i still believe uh that you know we could have had a better season defensively if we'd had alfie kind of healthy and i knew alfie had an injury coming into the year but he also had a history of playing through the season, so I knew I, I felt like uh, it was a risk, and uh, it didn't didn't pay off uh, in the short term. But I still think in the long term, Alfie's a really good player for us. We have great players uh, for the championship. We have players that have been really successful in the championship, and then with Alfie, we have a player that has also been successful, you know, in the Premier League. Uh, that's a leader for us on defense, and. Uh, can add to a defense uh, that has a lot of players in it that have already been very successful in the championship, you know, with, with uh, uh, Tim Ream and, and Dennis Adoy for us and uh, Joe Bryan for Bristol and Cyrus Christie, but for us and then before that for Darby and Millsborough as well. In terms of philosophies, we look at the the systems that we've played before and we looked at what, when Scott came back in, we, we kind of reverted to a kind of 4-3-3, the kind of, Fulham we'd expected to see for, you know, for the majority of the year. Do we think that philosophy kind of played a part in the way that we kind of switched from, from one to another mid-season but also, and, and equally I completely understand that we tried to sort out the defensive frailties by changing that to a five at the back and then tried to come away from it and it didn't quite work but, but equally do we look at that philosophy going forward as something that's embedded within the club? Is there kind of a playing strategy yeah, that we have it, looking forward? It is our playing style and especially I think uh, it's done very very well for us in the championship playing yep. 4-3-3 and I think uh, our, our best success these last few years in the championship came when we were playing that 4-3-3 and I expect we'll be coming back playing 4-3-3 again uh, and Scott philosophically feels the same way if people forget that uh, when I took over as a director of football Scott was my first captain and uh, you know Scott's last year playing was uh, the year we uh, you know had the unfortunate exit against Reading in the playoff and uh, when he came back you know it was actually after the promotion season and uh, I thought that Scott did uh, an amazing job getting the players settled and really you saw as soon as we played Chelsea, that uh, the mindset of our players, they were calmer, uh, they were more confident, and, uh, you know, they, they just, 
this able is, to express themselves a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, and it, it was hard for them to, I think, like you said, philosophically to express their style of football with what we were doing before because it's not uh, what a lot of them had been preparing to do. It's not the way we'd been training. But uh, in the short term, uh, when Claudio came in, Claudio Ranieri has uh, uh, a great uh, resume, yeah, yeah. a great pedigree, and a great history, and has won the Premier League and has had great results all over the world. Playing uh, very defensive football, we were conceding a lot of goals, um, and he wanted to use some players that hadn't been used as much. Uh, defensively, he really believed in Alfie Mawson, and uh, you saw Alfie Mawson started to play a lot more and started to play very well under Claudio, and actually – the best results we had all year at uh, were really that run when uh, Alfie uh, g- kind of got it together and uh, the defense started to suddenly be able to keep a clean sheet away at Newcastle. And, and then... Uh, we were quite unlucky against Wolves in the next game. and Yeah, Boxing Day against Wolves was... That was a real kick in the teeth. That was a kick in the teeth, absolutely. And then obviously the next game was the Huddersfield game where we did keep a clean sheet and we won the game, but... You know, we won the battle, won the battle and (laughs) lost the war Uh, because the way Claudio was playing uh, was a very direct style of football and the direct style of football he was playing, the defender who was really best suited for what he wanted to do was Alfie and the run behind player who was the best suited for what he wanted to do was was Kamara. And so uh, after that, when we we lost, uh, we lost uh, Mawson to injury and we lost Kamara to incident uh, and... uh, you know, really for what Claudio was trying to do effectively in one day, you know, technically Kamara did come back and Abu played against uh, Arsenal in the next game. But then after that, he scored. He scored, that's right. And uh, so he did play in that next game, um, but we, we saw not much of him after that. And uh, that's something uh, that I'm going to uh, reverse. And I am planning for Abu to come back next year. So Okay, wow. Uh, so I. Ha- have Abu offers us something different. There's no doubt about that. And he has his detractors, plenty of them. But there's no doubt we missed his threats, especially off the bench, because he provides that different option. But the, I don't the, know the, about especially off the bench either, because if you look at the change we made in the second leg of the playoff, the only change we made from the first leg of the playoff to the second leg, and it was a brilliant tactical change on Slav's part, and it was, it was, it was his call to do it. And he made a really brilliant gutsy call, Slav, at the time. Uh, to start Abu um, over Floyd Aite. Mm. And that's the only change we made from the first leg at Derby. And, you know, Floyd had been an experienced player for us and had scored a lot of goals for us in the championship. And he, uh, you know, uh, went with Abu for the second leg against Derby, and it was a great change. And then we came in against Wembley, and Floyd had played very well and scored against Villa in uh, the home fixture in February. On February 17th, Floyd came out. Scored from the halfway scored line. Scored from the halfway line. That's right. And uh, I knew when I saw the look on your face, I knew you knew exactly what I was talking <laughs> about. Uh, and uh, so it was, again, a really uh, intelligent and gutsy choice that Slob made uh, to uh, start Abu. So I do think as a starter, he can be very effective too. And you're right, he can be effective off the bench as well. And I think at times he scored off the bench for us. But um, has also been dangerous as a starter. You know, the Leicester game scored uh, in the starting lineup. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, he does have his detractors. And, obviously, uh, um, I think, uh, like a lot of young people, you know, there's, uh, like, you know, maturity. Uh, as you get older, uh, you get wiser. And uh, with, with him, you know, having talked to the squad, they want him back. 
Uh, and I know as a football club, you know, we wanted him back too. And uh, the question was, did he want to come back and be a part of the club again and, uh, you know, embrace the kind of success we had two years ago and get back to doing that? And he does. So I do expect uh, Abu is going to be back with us next year. Fair enough. Right, let, let's move on a little bit to, to your role. Uh, and we think, basically, that a lot of people don't necessarily exactly understand what you do on a day-to-day basis, sure. uh, how that fits in at the top operations level with your father, with, with Alistair, uh, with all the other sort of top heads at the club. And we just thought we'd like to give you the kind of platform to, to explain that, to, to kind of run us through what the exact operations side of, of what your kind of day-to-day is, really. Sure. Uh, well, uh I'm in charge of the scouting department and the statistics department and overseeing them both. Uh, We go out and evaluate players from leagues all over the world. Uh, We put them in databases and track uh, all the scouting reports we've done on them, both live and on video. Uh, And then from our data team, going out and charting games and bringing in data um, and putting together ratings and metrics for again these these players all over the world and putting those in a database and then take all the grades from both sides and put them in a master database where we can weigh everything and uh so on a daily basis i go through uh looking for players that have either not been scouted enough uh because they have excellent stats or uh players that have excellent scouting but but don't have the stats you know one way or the other and we call these one box players and sometimes you're looking at the one box players and you want to keep an eye on them in case uh, either a scout watches them and, and suddenly thinks, oh, you know, I never thought much of this guy. He was a stats guy and I never thought he was a good enough player on my, with my eyeballs. But uh, suddenly I see something and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write him a higher report and uh, vice versa. Sometimes you'll see a player who uh, had a bit of a dip in their data and uh, – for whatever reason, uh, maybe they were playing with an injury. A lot of times happens, like a really good player, and people swear this is a good player, and, and the numbers just aren't there, and then all of a sudden they get red hot. And, and then when you talk to them, and it was like, well, what was going on with you last year? Because, you know, this year you've been great. Last year wasn't so good. And they were like, oh, I was playing with an injury. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Um, so um, on a daily basis, going through and tracking these things and then uh, talking through feedback from the coaches – uh, whether it's with Scott and his coaching staff, uh, Matt and Stewart, uh, or, uh, you know, uh, I might uh, go through um, on a, any given day, might go through a, a review of our current squad and, you know, where we're at for the season, what performers have been going, have been uh, at, you know, at a good level, what performers have kind of struggled and then uh, go through that with a coaching staff and, and see if that matches up with how they feel and, uh, and then try and figure out why. And um, so I really enjoy doing it. I think it's, I think it's been helpful. And, um, you know, when I first implemented uh, going into uh, the summer of 2016 uh, that I wanted uh, to, to be in charge of the recruitment, um, I uh, have been doing weekly phone calls uh with the with you know top people in the organization just to kind of go through and see okay do you have any ideas for targets we should be looking at is there anybody who's not on the list who should be on the list and uh you know the summer of 2016 the first time I got to go through and do these transfers I had a, I had a lot of fun there were some things that people don't know 
that are kind of urban legends around Fulham to this day. And I don't think people know the background around them. And it was these processes uh, that kind of led to some some good things for us but that, that I'll get criticized for. Like, I'll give you an example. Um, a really good player who today is absolutely on the list, but we didn't have enough data to put on the list at the time was Andres Pereira from Manchester United. And like, I had a good feeling that Andres Pereira was a very good player. And we had scouts that really liked him. And even on the data team, there are guys who are like, you know, watch a lot of Man U or former like Man U supporters before they worked at Fulham. And uh, we'll tell you what a great player Andres Pereira is. But the fact is, Man U at the time were looking for a very chunky loan fee on Andres Pereira. And uh, at the time, that loan fee was the same, basically similar or about the same amount of money as the first of two payments to buy Stefan Johansson's contract. And so to me, it was like, okay, well, we're, you know, we're in the championship, we're on a tight budget. And, uh, you know, am I going to put close to a million into this loan, or am I going to put that million into the first of two payments on Stephanie Johansson? Well, okay, also, uh, we need some help on the wing. So, as a, you know, you only get a certain number of loans in the championship, five to be exact, per uh, game. And uh, we were already using some loans, and I had an offer from Chelsea come in late that we could take Lucas Piazon for nothing. They would. They was. A, they they really wanted to develop Lucas, and they gave us a, a very very favorable deal that was financially like really made sense for us. So at, then it really came down to well, you could have Andres Pereira on loan for this money, or for the same amount of money, you could have Piazza on loan and uh, buy Johansson. <laughs> so I chose to take Johansson and Piazza on, and uh, not take Pereira. But mm-hmm. all I heard in the media and for years to this day, people still, you know, kick me for not taking Pereira. But nobody ever says like, well, you know, I'm glad you bought Stefan Johansson because we no way we would have gotten promoted without him. What do you not do? That's uh, kind of like we mentioned Alistair. We mentioned your father because I think I don't pick the lineups for the games. The coach and the manager does that. And I never done that. Um, and, uh, you know, uh whether for for good or for bad, I mean, I'll ask questions, but I've never said to a coach, you know, you have to play this person, or you sh- you know, you shouldn't play this person. I'm I'm happy to give my opinions on stuff, but at the end of the day, they've always chosen the lineups they want to play. Any any coach or manager we've had here, and uh, I'm I always am happy to talk through the players, my opinions on them, and the the run of form they're on, and uh, and and uh, you know their their health, uh, their fitness, all these things, but uh, including when. Uh, Slob made that brilliant uh, move uh, substituting Kamara for Floyd for the second leg of the Derby playoff and for the final uh, at Wembley. Um, I was nervous about it. And I even told my dad and Alistair, uh, you know, I'm nervous about this this move. You know, Abu's coming in. Uh, he's young. He's volatile. And uh, this is a big game. I mean, it's the biggest game. These are the biggest uh, matches of the year. And, uh, you know, but I'm not going to say a word to Slav, and I didn't yeah. say a single word to him about it. And and then uh, when it worked out brilliantly, I even I even told him after the fact. I was like, I was really nervous about that, but I didn't want to make you nervous, so I didn't want to say anything. Um, but um, absolutely, uh, you know, I that's one area where I think like on tactics and stuff, I'll say what I think, but I've never uh, put.
pushed anybody or forced anybody to do something they didn't want to do. In terms of Fulham, the Jags, All Elite Wrestling, which which is exploding, by the way. So well, very much our congratulations on that. Uh, what lessons from your other roles do you take into the everyday at Mottsburg? Uh, and also, I suppose there will be people out there concerned that three different things is a lot. Is there anything you'd say to allay those fears to the people that are just concerned that there's a lot of juggling going on, I guess? Yeah, I mean, uh, I put in, I, I'm constantly focused on this. And even when I'm not in England every day, uh, I'm, I'm constantly spending time looking at players for Fulham, players on Fulham, the Fulham wage bill, uh, you know, and deals that could be made, looking at players that our scouts need to go out and do more work on uh, because, you know, they have really good stats and we haven't sent players to see the game. So it's a constant thing. And even if I'm uh, in Jacksonville or at an all elite wrestling show uh, at any point, uh, please, please, please know that I'm always thinking about Fulham and I'm constantly looking for players for this club, constantly looking for ways to make the club better. And I think about it all the time. And uh, also just want people to know how much time I'm spending here and how much time I am here. Uh, I only missed, you know, I was at Claudio's last run of games. uh, And then for Scott, all the games he managed, I only missed one game of the game Scott managed. And it was uh, the Cardiff game because it was during the NFL draft. And obviously I watch the game. I watch all of our games. And uh, I'm at a lot of them. And, you know, like I said, in 2019, uh, I've, been at the vast majority and for scott the only i missed one of them and i didn't want to miss it but i I needed to be at the nfl draft and um that's a pretty big deal to be fair it's important (laughs) it's a big big thing well to be you know a couple years ago it was crazy to be there a couple years ago earlier when uh we uh effectively clinched the playoff spot two years prior against brentford uh, it was right be- before the NFL draft. It was a great moment. Walked into the draft room and got the standing ovation, uh, <laughs> which was a nice moment. Uh, nice. We didn't. We hadn't technically clinched because we yeah. could have lost to Sheffield Wednesday. Nine nil and Leeds could have oh, won yeah. seven nil. It was a sixteen goal swing. It was sixteen or fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, I, remember, I was going to say fifteen. Yeah, um, you can never be too careful. And then Wigan scored. Ryan Tunnicliffe scored for Wigan, and and the away end at Hillsborough yeah, went absolutely that. wild. And we knew that was that. Then yep. it was Tunnicliffe doing bits even after he left for us. Speaking of Fulham fans, what do you make of the fan base? Um, how have your interactions differed online versus? face-to-face face-to-face is usually pretty good yeah uh the people at the cottage are usually really really nice and uh that's why i love this club i love the cottage I, we have the best fans like yeah. i'm not complaining you guys are the best the um, like, people the who've been base. to other places like you know everyone nobody's saying you guys are not the best fan base you guys are the best fans i just i just uh wish that when things weren't going well that we could all stick together as tight as we are when things are going well because it wasn't easy when we had that exit against Reading, but I felt like we all stuck together. And then it's like a lot of the same players and a lot of the same people and things aren't going well, but it was like, yeah, especially me. I just felt like everybody kind of turned on me so hard when people had supported us when we didn't get promoted against Reading. And it's like, effectively, we're in the same place we are now that we are then. We, you know, going going into our promotion season, we were one of the two favorites by the odds makers to win and but we were still in the championship 
And that's where we are now. We're one of the favorites to win the championship, but we're still in the championship. And I'm sorry that we got relegated, but we are in a much better place than we were after the Reading game, you know, with, with parachute payments and a better roster. We have assets we didn't have then, like Mitro and Frank Zambo and Guisa and Alfie Mawson, the players that we wouldn't have had at that time. Yeah. And uh, so we are better off than we are then, yet it feels like we've all torn each other to pieces since then. I think the the break has been good for everyone they're kind of the we've all taken a little step back since since it all and it it feels like there is that kind of renewed energy and everyone's not as taut and and fraught and 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 tied up as we were you know and it's kind of i think now that's all dissipated and the negative energy is gone if we get going again and i think there will be that positivity going into next season i truly believe that i hope so too i mean look like when we we open the the home slate uh, against Blackburn August 10th. Yeah. I would really like everybody uh, to come together, and I just hope that, like, uh, it's the, as exciting and as uh, vibrant a cottage as it was when we were trying to get promoted during the 23-game unbeaten run. Because I know, like, we'll be opening the game. It'll be our first home game, yeah. and it won't be, uh, like, we'll be coming off the 23 unbeaten. But I know what the atmosphere is like in the cottage when things are going well. So I just hope, like from the very beginning, like we kind of we kind of bring it and don't don't turn on ourselves. Obviously, the academy's been a a, a place of pride for many of us over yeah. over a couple of years, and we've we've been very pleased. Obviously, look at Sess, and we're so delighted to have someone of that caliber and, and one of our own, and, and all of those things, two of our own, should I say? I'm, you know, there have been a couple of exits recently of players that have once heralded as, as as big kind of academy prospects. Do we still remain, you know, committed to bringing through our own talents through that pipeline? And and in that same vein, can we expect to see more from the likes of O'Reilly, Luca Della Torre, Marlon Fossi, that kind of caliber of player next season? Is that something that we can keep looking forward to? Absolutely. Uh, as we try to get promoted, I think those guys are going to be competing for places in the squad. All the players you named, and uh, and we'll have to see where they are. This year, I am uh, planning to loan out players into League One and League Two more so than I have in the past uh, because we haven't been able to get data from Opta from League One or League Two. Uh, and there have been teams interested in our players there. And for us to learn about where our players stood, it wasn't always the best league for them to go to yeah. uh, because we weren't getting the kind of information about you know how they would how they would do for Fulham. And... Uh, I think now, all of a sudden, uh, now that Opta's tracking that, it's going to give us uh, a basis uh, to get more and more information about our own players that aren't in the squad. So I think for a development standpoint, it's like the best thing that could happen in many ways for our academy, uh, and we're going to learn a lot. I also think that with uh, some of those players, yeah, there's a chance that some of them could compete uh, to be in the squad this year as well. So uh, I think when when the squad reports and uh, Scott gets a look at where everybody stands, uh, you know, we'll have some some tough decisions to make about the squad, and then I'll have some tough decisions to make about you know who stays and and who might be going out on loan. In that vein, is there anything you can you can tell us about the squad for next season? Any players that that are definitely coming back, or or you know the people that we're looking to to retain, the likes of Johansson, for example? Well, I think I mentioned to you guys earlier that you know I am planning to bring Abu Kamara back. Yeah. Uh, and uh, to your point, Jack. Yeah, Stephen Johansson. I'm also expecting to return to the squad, uh, and I think uh, that makes us a, a better, stronger squad. Absolutely. Um, and I really believe that uh, those are two players that in our promotion team were really key. And, you know, when we went to Wembley and beat Aston Villa in the playoff final, they both started and we went down to 10 men and they were two of the 10 that went out there and fought for us uh, to get promoted. 
And I really feel strongly about getting both of them back in the squad for the fight ahead. And uh, with them back aboard, I'd like to retain as many of our key players as possible. And uh, that's you know that's kind of what we're working on right now. Does that include uh, Alexander Mitrovic? That does include Alexander Mitrovic. Uh, I have a great relationship with him, and uh, we've had a lot of talks. And he really loves Fulham. He loves the club. He loves the people here. He loves his teammates. He loves the cottage. And he and I get along great. I you know uh, he's paid me some of the nicest compliments anybody's paid me, not just in football but in life. And uh, he's like a really genuine person and. Uh, anybody who didn't get along with him or doesn't like him, I don't know what to say to you because uh, he's like one of the straightest shooters and most honest people, hardest working guys, and just, just shows up to work and loves football and loves what he does. And if you don't take it seriously, if you don't take your job seriously, and if you're stealing from the football club by not earning your keep, then he'll be the first person to call you out. And I really like uh, that, that accountability. We uh, really made a big move to get him here and a big investment to get him here and i believe in him and i believe it was a great investment for us and you know clearly in the promotion it paid off and then this year uh i still think he he went out and played so hard for us every week uh no matter where we stood in the table and uh he sets a great tone in the dressing room and on the pitch and i would love to do everything i can to get metro back and uh i am doing everything i can to keep him Excellent. In terms of you know other players, I guess returning from loan, someone that that has caught the eye of a couple of people is Marek Rodak. Obviously, had a brilliant season um, at, at Rotherham and was very much included in in their kind of highlights. Even though they had yep. uh, a tough campaign, uh, is he expected to come back and challenge the first team this season? Yes, I do expect uh, Rodak will be back with us. Yeah, and and with Marcus presumably very much in first team contention with with Rico no longer uh, in the ranks. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I do expect uh, that uh, Roddick and Bettinelli will be competing. And, uh, you know, obviously Marcus has a lot of experience and has been a top keeper in the championship. And uh, through our 23-game unbeaten run and in the playoff final, kept a clean sheet in the second leg of the playoff against Derby and uh, in the playoff final against Aston Villa. I do think uh, Marcus is going to have an inside track, but Roddick is a, is a great keeper, and he's he's going to be challenging him and, and – uh, you know both guys are going to be at their best and I think uh they both love Fulham they both love the club and they both want to be with us here and they both want to get promoted so it's uh I think it's a good situation for us yeah excellent um let's talk about the Riverside stand a bit it's just quickly it's because this is such a, a positive and such a it's been such a joyful kind of experience in the fan base it was such a hard and difficult process I imagine for you above all people uh, to get this over the line to get the wheels in motion but how much of a joy and relief is it to get this off the ground to get it going and and kind of develop Craven Cottage in line with the ambitions of the club while keeping its kind of heart and soul intact it's a huge relief it's a huge personal triumph uh, for my family but just so you know on a day-to-day basis I'm really not that involved in it I take no credit for getting it off the ground Uh, my dad and Alistair and Mark Lamping and, and these guys had done all the work you know, Alistair's here on the ground uh, working on it. Uh, and my dad, you know, had, had a business plan for this and, and uh, obviously is financially backing it. But day to day, I mean, I'm really not that involved in okay. those matters. And just like I told you guys, you know, whether it's uh, the running of the stadium or the tickets or anything like that, I'm really not that involved with. I, I really do focus on the football so that, as you guys have pointed out, you know, I, I do have responsibilities at different companies all over the world. So if I try to keep my focus 
uh, on the, the things that, you know, it needs to be on. And from, for us, I always say, you know, it's football. And obviously the first two seasons I was doing it, the results were, I think, really, really good. And then last season they were not good by, by, by any uh, metric or comparison. So uh, I think uh, for me, I need to get back to doing uh, what we've done well in the championship, uh, recruiting players there to get, to get us back into the Premier League. And then I need to learn uh, from what, what happened to us this year and, uh, you know, try and uh, put us in a position to do our best. Uh, it's it's a very difficult thing uh, when you get promoted. Uh, you know, historically, and I've, it's not the first time I've said this, but historically, I knew that the odds were not necessarily in our favor when you win the, the championship playoff. Yeah, I had guaranteed the supporters after we uh, had been eliminated from the playoff the year prior at Reading in the semifinal. I'd guaranteed our supporters we will be back. And uh, that we would go back and that we were going to be back in the Premier League. And we did. We were we won and we were back in the Premier League. You may have noticed what I never guaranteed after that was that we were <laughs> definitely going to stay up because uh, it's, a, it's it, a hard guarantee. To it's make. a very hard guarantee to, to make when, uh, you know, at that point, it was 15 out of 26 playoff winners had immediately been relegated the following season. Now it's 16 to 27. Including. How much difference does A, the playoffs, B, the World Cup make? It's uh, it's. I mean, it, it didn't. It didn't help with recruitment for us. I was. A, it was very difficult to go out and recruit when I needed to make you know major changes to the squad because um, you know we needed to transition from the championship to the Premier League, and it was very difficult recruiting during the World Cup. I think there were players that we, we were really interested in that you know weren't available early in the window because they were playing games. So yeah, it absolutely was really really challenging. Um, finally, I want to just get to know. Yourself, a little bit more, you have a lot of roles, as you've um, mentioned so many times. What do you do in your spare time? I don't have spare time. <laughs> I don't have any spare time, but I, lo- I love the jobs I have, so it doesn't feel like work because I love working at Fulham, and I love working for the Jaguars, and I love all elite wrestling. And uh, so all the things I do are fun but they are jobs and if i'm awake i'm working on one of those things or true media my statistical company which is still peripherally related uh you know to the fulham and the jags and uh and things we do and um i'm always working on something i really other than spending time with like family and friends i don't get like a lot of spare time but i enjoy the work that i do and it's like i i love working for the club and a lot of the the people around the club are are my friends you know they're and uh, and the people around, you know, the Jaguars are my friend. The people around All Elite Wrestling are my friends, and I spend a lot of time with them. And and then the time I spend with them, they get to see me doing a lot of other things too. You know, I could uh, I can be here, and uh, you know, I might uh, on a on a Sunday be watching uh, something with the Jaguars, or and then uh, I'm vice versa. I might be back in America for the NFL draft with the Jaguars, but you know, I'll be watching the following game if I can't be here in London to support the club or or away if they're traveling. Uh, I try to be here in London as much as I can be. I love it here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, on a, on a personal level, I mean, I have friends, uh, but I don't get to spend that much time with them. And when they do want to see me, usually they come to one of my events, uh, you know, come to a football match or uh, like my friend Jack Whitehall. Came. I was just about to mention, that's a really... Can you turn him? He's an Arsenal fan, isn't he? he isn't Are we a... getting him slowly? Oh, we'll get him. We'll get him. <laughs> uh, I will say this. I feel like if we had... if the last fixture had been uh, us against Arsenal 
and we needed it to stay up, there's no question he would have been supporting us. There's no question Jack would have been supporting us. And my and if we needed the win, he would be supporting. I know it. Uh, but um, yeah, we'll we'll get him eventually. I'm gonna get him. Uh, you know his his family are our uh, neighbors. They live close to Fulham, uh, and uh, I think uh, they might be uh, already halfway there to converted. So I, I I'm uh, I'm I'm hopeful. But I was just about to say he. Uh, had come uh, to our wrestling show, and uh, after the uh, Chelsea-Arsenal game, I watched with him uh, in America in the Europa League final, and it really felt like he was on the verge of turning. So, <laughs> so I, will, I, I hey, hope... A low okay. point for everyone involved. But, uh, yeah, you know, so I, my friends come to the events. Like, you know, so he, he came to the wrestling show and, and supported that, and uh, and then a lot of my friends from, from school... And university had traveled uh, to uh, Las Vegas for the wrestling show. My friends come over to England all the time, either to see you know Fulham games or when the Jaguars are in town. And uh, you know people come to Jacksonville to see the Jaguars. So usually uh, when people want to see me, they come to like one of the events because that's where you know I'll be. Yeah. But I'm. It's really hard for me, like in my personal life, because um, because of Fulham games. Uh, or Jaguars games, mostly. I've missed a lot of my friends' weddings and, like, you know, their things. In fact, uh, one of my really good friends got married the weekend of the playoff final, and I I felt <laughs> terrible, but what was I I'm not, I couldn't go to the wedding. Yeah, I had to go course. to the playoff final at Wembley, obviously. So, rules um, are rules. <laughs> yeah, and, and he understood, but there have been times where uh, because of – uh, there, you know, that was an obvious one because it was a playoff final. But there have been other milestones or important events, meetings, like you know, you're meeting a player about recruitment, you're meeting an agent or something, and uh, you have something important that isn't necessarily like on the calendar where everyone can see it, and you're like, hey, I can't come to your wedding, and nobody likes to hear that. And so, uh, yeah, so it is hard um, to to kind of have a personal life and and maintain all these different things that we're doing. But but I really enjoy it, like. I value the relationships around the club with, uh, you know, the support staff, uh, the coaches, the scouts, the data people, and also the players. Like, it was, it's not a lot of consolation because we all feel terrible about getting relegated, but at least I know I have a really tightly knit group of people because they didn't need to say this, but so many people came to me afterwards and said, like, we feel badly for us, badly for our careers, you know. It's it's not good for anybody to be relegated, but so many people came to me and said, "We feel bad for you. You put the faith in me, Tony. Like you trusted me. You've always been good to me, and we all feel like we let you down." And uh, I don't feel that way. I don't feel like uh, you know. I, I we all made mistakes. There's things we all could have done better, but uh, I I feel like uh, you know if I, I feel as responsible as anyone, and uh, the fact that we're all sticking together and that we all kind of are of the same mindset that we got into this together or we're going to get out of it together, I think is a really good thing. And, um, you know, I had, I have had good, really good relationships with the guys in the squad. I really value the relationships of the guys in the squad. And, uh, going forward, I think we have a really tightly knit group of people that really want to be at Fulham, that really care about Fulham and care about each other. And, uh, that want to see the club and everybody at the club do well and it was just a hard year for everybody. And I think, uh, like you guys said, the break has done everybody some good. And now I think everybody's really focused and ready to just go out and smash the championship. Let's get it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, Tony, um, 
I said before we met you that the objective today was to get to know you a little bit more. Everyone knows the name, uh, everyone knows the headlines, but do they really know Tony Khan? And certainly uh, over the last hour or so, I feel like I've learnt so much about you. Uh, really appreciate you Thanks. coming in and uh, speaking to, to Fulhamish and I hope uh, people listening uh, enjoyed it as well. Thank Thanks. you, Sammy. I really enjoyed being here with, with you and Jack and uh, I hopefully I can come back uh, some, some, some more and uh, hopefully we'll have uh, some really positive things to talk about as That'd the season nice. goes on and, and hopefully uh, at this time next year uh, this will be a celebratory podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It was great to see you, Jack. Thanks for having me.